1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current world events, including what's happening in Ukraine, Taiwan, Canada, of course, and uh, with uh, COVID worldwide. We'll visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll also visit with my wife, Linda, who writes Greetings from Paradise here on the Paradise Coast. It is February the 14th and on this day around 270 A.D., Valentine, a holy priest in Rome in the days of Emperor Claudius II was executed. Under the rule of Claudius the Cruel, Rome was involved in many unpopular and bloody campaigns. The emperor had to maintain a strong army, but was having a difficult time getting soldiers to join his military leagues. Claudius believed the Roman men were unwilling to join the army because of his strong attachment to their wives and families. To get rid of the problem, <laughs> he called it a problem, Claudius uh, banned all marriages and engagements in Rome. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. He was arrested and dragged before the prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and to have his head cut off. Man, the sentence was carried out on February the 14th on or about the year 270. Legend also has it that while in jail, Valentine left a farewell note to the jailer's daughter who had become his friend and signed it from your Valentine, from his great service, so Valentine was named a saint after his death. In truth, the exact origins and identity of St. Valentine are unclear. According to a Catholic encyclopedia, at least three different St. Valentines, all of the martyrs, are mentioned in the early our martyrologies under the date of February the 14th. Legends vary on how the martyr's name became connected with romance. The date of his death was may have been mingled with the uh, feast of Lupercalia, a pagan festival of love. On those occasions, the names of young women were placed in a box from which they were drawn by the men as chance directed. In 496 AD, Pope uh, Gelasius. Decided to put an end to the festive feast of uh, Lupercalia, and he declared February 14th to be celebrated as Saint Valentine's Day. Gradually, February 14th became a date for exchanging love messages, poems, and simple gifts such as flowers. Happy Valentine's Day! You know, if you haven't gotten a Valentine yet, (laughs) well, uh, it's a little late, but do your best. It wasn't a happy Valentine's Day for Saint Valentine about 1,000. 852 years ago found this quote which i found pretty inspiring a little off topic but what are we uh, what we are we repeatedly do excellence then is not an act but a habit by will durant i like that first you make your habits and then your habits make you well i found this quote from the highly esteemed laura logan Many doctors tell me that uh, when all is known, Fauci will be recognized as the biggest mass killer in history. Their words, not mine, says Laura. Yet one after another, this is what they say. You may not agree, and still, this is still a free country, so you can think and say what you like, agree or disagree. But as a journalist, I have a duty to consider what many medical professionals feel this way, just as I have a duty to consider those who do not agree. None of this happens in a vacuum and can only be accurately measured in the context of truth, and the truth is not on Fauci's side. That, according to Laura Logan. The great Laura Logan, by the way. I think a true commentator among commentators. Well, uh, just to note, Los Angeles Rams last night carried out the crown jewel in a venue built for champions by winning the Super Bowl last night. Cooper Cup's late TD... Touchdown, uh, lift the Rams over the uh, Bengals 23-20 to uh, in Super Bowl 56. What a game. It was a, <laughs> truly a great game. I didn't watch the halftime show. I understand that it was full of uh, rappers and that kind of thing. But nevertheless, uh, a great football game and fun to watch. Well, another Sunday, and Biden's national security advisors added at- at again, making the rounds of the big network news shows, warning that Russian invasion will invade Ukraine any day now. At this point, a familiar refrain we've heard for multiple weeks running. We cannot perfectly predict the day, but we now have been saying for some time that we are in a window. An invasion could begin. A major military action could begin by Russia and Ukraine any day now. That includes the coming week before the end of the Olympics, Jake Sullivan told CNN's Jake Tapper. By the way, are the Olympics still going on? I think they're over. No interest on my part. The latest round of breathless White House proclamations and predictions of the Russians are coming, began in earnest uh, Friday afternoon when the administration told reporters that Putin had made the decision to launch a large military offensive. Multiple countries have now followed Washington's lead in drawing down embassy and diplomatic staff from Ukraine to get people out of harm's way, with the last uh, over the weekend being Australia. This is what the alarmism and panic emanating from the White House has wrought. The Prime Minister Scott Morrison from uh, Australia has ordered the evacuation of the Australian Embassy in Kiev, warning the situation in Ukraine could reach a dangerous stage. This is a list of a growing list of countries withdrawing embassy personnel, including Israel, the UK, the Netherlands, uh, Latvia, Japan, and South Korea. But the all-important central question is not being asked and is once again, What is the view of Kiev? What is the Ukrainian government's reaction to the latest White House statements on the crisis? And how how will the president of Ukraine answer it himself? Kiev is not too happy. happy. It's demanding proof from the U.S. intelligence backing the new dire allegations that Russia is is poised to go in. There's been too much information about a full-scale war with Russia. Even specific dates have been announced. We understand there are risks. If you have any additional information regarding the 100% guaranteed invasion of Ukraine by Russia on uh, 16 February, please give it to us, said Zelensky. Uh, naturally, uh, Ukraine leaders are trying to calm the panic at which Washington pronouncements in the Western media echo chamber have created. Zelensky said he not, does not believe in, in the danger of a full-scale war at the moment. I have to speak to the public with real information at hand. We receive information from many sources. We also have an intelligence service. I don't think that's any worse than the intelligence service of other countries, he noted. And a fresh report from NBC News taken from the streets of Kiev suggests that many common Ukrainian citizens, too, can't see through the hype, can see through the hype. Now, as the Western warns, a a fresh attack is a distinct possibility as soon as next week. Many in Kiev aren't convinced although some are wary of the invasion. Few are prepared for that possibility. And notably, a number of long-time Russian observers and mainstream journalists living in the ground in the the region are beginning to have serious doubts. As one foreign policy analyst observed Saturday, the situation ironically remains that everyone is projecting war between Russia and Ukraine except Russia and Ukraine. Biden and Zelensky had a phone call on Sunday where the Ukrainian leader asked Biden for firm evidence backing the latest White House alarmist claims. This was likely a repeat of the last call that they held. Biden and Zelensky last spoke last month, and it did not go well, according to a senior advisor. In fact, uh, Zelensky in this call said, why don't you come here? Check it out. <laughs> see see, see if, uh, for yourself what's going on. Uh so, uh, again, I see this as, frankly, saber-routing on the part of the president trying to change the scent away from all the bad things that are happening, including inflation. You could go down the list. Uh, the uh, borders, you could go down the list on what's happening here in the United States. Biden's popularity is plummeting. It's cratering. And uh, he's looking for a new way to get America people charged up on his presidency. Unfortunately, he's chosen war, in my opinion. Well, a bombshell new filing from John Durham caused shockwaves as it appears to confirm that Hillary Clinton and her allies spied on not only the Trump campaign but the Trump presidency. This is far beyond almost anything we've ever seen in America. In fact, President Trump released a statement today confirming it could be punishable by death and would have been in a prior era in America. Perhaps an era that needs to return? I think so. Check out the statement from the president. The latest pleading from Special Counsel Robert Turum uh, provides indisputable evidence that my campaign and presidency were spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign in an effort to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate, and those who were involved in it knew about the spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, the crime would have been punishable by death. In addition, reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. President, uh, remember when President Trump said that he heard wires were tapped, and everybody laughed. Well, they're not laughing now. It's kind of interesting. Even Democrats now, according to some polls, are saying that uh, that Hillary Clinton should be held accountable. I personally believe that Trump and the White Hats are going for the grand kill, and this has meant that they need to conduct the most epic sting operation of all time. And it looks like they've succeeded because what we're now looking at learning, is treason level bad. It looks like, uh, you know, all the all the uh, evidence, all the receipts are there. So interesting. While elected officials are pushing back against medical licensing boards, hospitals, and pharmacies who are blocking access to off-label COVID-19 treatments or threatening to investigate doctors for dispensing them, several states are considering legislation or varying specificity uh, to authorize dispensing a drug such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID. One was introduced by a physician lawmaker under investigation for prescribing ivermectin to COVID patients. Oklahoma Attorney General John O'Connor announced Tuesday that his office would not prosecute doctors for prescribing FDA-approved drugs for off-label COVID treatment. A state medical licensure board has no legal basis to discipline a physician for exercising sound judgment and safely prescribing ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for COVID, he said. Our healthcare professionals should have every tool available to them to combat COVID-19. Public safety demands this. Legislation, part of a broader movement against federal authorities, repeated denunciations of cheap potential COVID treatments. The FDA has misleadingly insinuated that ivermectin is horse-only treatment, a popular misconception despite the antiparasitics worldwide. Yale University public health official Harry Rich, Harvey Rich, has accused the feds of relying on fake studies that conflate two very different populations. Hospitalized and outpatient to portray hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin as ineffective and dangerous. This is really too bad, but it's great to see that uh, states now are starting to take up this issue. I hope that uh, Florida will do the same. I suspect, as usually, they usually their leaders uh, they'll do just that. Hope so. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples. Long- Air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, Johnson's Airconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, Being the No One's. Stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is Life in Naples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of History Central.com. That and more, right here in The Bob Hardin Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network.
0: Harden Show. Here on Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rocking good time. Lulab's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, The Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education, and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534.
0: Come back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now and also find out about the beautiful Performing Arts Center being built in downtown Naples. Just visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Shulman. Mark is an author. He's written many books, mainly about past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you'll check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So, talking about current global events, and uh, right now it seems like uh, all the air is being sucked out of the news, except for what's going on in Ukraine and Canada. Let's start with Ukraine.
2: All right. So, Ukraine, we're we're holding our breath to see what Putin is going to decide to do, whether he's going to invade or not. My money is that he's going to invade. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for him to back down at this point really hasn't created much of a ladder there's some talk today if ukraine says it's not interested in joining nato that might be a ladder it's hard to hard to see at this point it's um you know i spoke to somebody who's spent a fair amount of time in um, in russia and is also a retired general and said basically the military has been sitting out there in the cold now for for a month on the border and they're not going to take kindly to just packing up and going home hmm. We'll have to see. Um, look, the man's a dictator. He's a megalomania. Um, he's, he may not be Hitler, but he's our version of it. Let's put it that way. Um,
1: so what do you make uh, of the uh, 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 the uh, president of Ukraine saying, hey, there's nothing going on here. Uh, lighten up. He actually said on yeah, his call. he
2: says that one day, but, they, but then he runs around trying to get arms from everybody possible we can.
1: Yeah, he said, to the, he, he said to the president this weekend, hey, if you don't believe it, come here and just check it out.
2: Yeah, 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 but that's all, a, it's all an attempt to, to, look, it's not in, it's not in his interest for the whole world to what's going on right now is all the embassies are, are, um, leaving, all foreign businessmen are leaving, all those things are terrible for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So he has to sort of, uh, claim calm at the moment because it's not going to make any difference if he doesn't. Um, so, uh, I don't think, you know, again, we don't know what's going to be. It's, it's very unknown because we're dealing with Putin, yeah. um, but the fact of the matter is Putin has probably done a better job of uniting NATO and the rest of the world um, than anything else he could do. Um, Biden has successfully built built back a strong coalition. With, it has its issues still. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, uh, he created a, a real enemy once again for NATO to, to be worried about. Mm-hmm. So, I you know, it's... It's a bad situation, and obviously, if, it's, if a war starts, people are going to die, and that's the worst part of it all.
1: I can't imagine being uh, one of the troops on the Russian front or on the uh, Ukraine front, wanting war and being disappointed if I had to go home. Just <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: not the, that's not the soldiers; it's the generals.
1: Ah, okay.
2: Don't, it, it, it's not the grunts. The grunts <laughs> don't want war any more than any other grunts probably ever in history ever wanted war. Yeah, it's the generals who who are the ones that are. Um, that that are unhappy or might be unhappy. We don't know. We just don't know. You know? So,
1: so you know, usually, uh, usually when you do risk-reward on this, and I'm just trying to put myself in Putin's place, I'm just having difficulty understanding the reward for the major risk that you take under the circumstances. Oh, I
2: see the reward very clearly to me. In other words, he gets to be the one who reunited Mother Russia with its former self Ukraine which was always in, uh, not always but until, since the time they captured them in, in in the 18th century an integral part of Russia he goes down in history as the one who reunited the country um that's what the what the positives are and he'll live through some sanctions some people saying no 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 and all that sort of stuff but in the end Ukraine will be part of the, part of Russia ah. so uh, if I'm Putin I see the rewards very clearly
3: hmm. I
2: see the risks um What's worth it, from his perspective, it's unknown. Uh, I'm going to bet it's worth his while to, to attack it. Well, okay, <laughs>
1: let's just take the other side. That Help me understand how it's worth it for the United States to get involved in this.
2: Okay, very clearly. For the United States is not getting sent troops in, that's number one. Please understand that. That might have been a good idea, but we'll leave that part totally aside. The reality is Putin is an expansionist, anti-democratic dictator. He's everything we don't support in the world, and he's he's aligned with China and China at the same time as much as possible. Um, We support and always have supported democratic countries who want self-determination, believe in self-determination. So Ukraine is a natural for us to be supporting without a question. Uh, Anyone who says we shouldn't be supporting Ukraine, the two countries are the same, is just pure outlying and has no knowledge. Um, Ukraine is a democracy and is trying to what, – what threatens Putin is the fact that Ukraine has become a successful democracy and is doing reasonably well economically and becomes a model for the Russian people to say, wait, we don't need Putin anymore. We can also become like Ukraine.
1: All right. So uh, if that's all the case, and let's just accept the fact that it is, then why is the president of uh, Ukraine saying, uh, <laughs> hey, lighten up, nothing's going on here?
2: Because of what I said, he's afraid of the collapse of his financial markets.
1: Well, wouldn't he be more, more and, afraid of the uh, of an attack of Russians? Okay, uh, he's emissions? very
2: afraid of an attack. I'm going to be wrong, but there's what he's saying publicly and what he's saying privately. And believe me, he's not saying privately. I'm not worried. Hmm. Um, it's just not the case. He's not saying that at all privately. Um, what he's saying publicly is also trying to calm his people. You don't want exodus, people leaving the country. All those things that can happen when you're, you know, you think war is imminent.
1: I don't. Know. I just. I. I have to say that. Uh, to me, I'm baffled by the fact that it seems to me, if if my people were under threat and I was in, uh, the president, of the prime minister, I would certainly want them to protect themselves and take uh, take shelter as best they could.
2: Well, they're doing that, obviously. I mean, they've called us in the reserve. They've been getting uh, Lithuania sent shipments of arms. The United States has been sending shipments of arms. Uh, they're doing all those things. Mm-hmm. They're not sitting around doing nothing. I mean, they have a fairly big army. That's one of the things that people don't realize. I don't know how uh, it's not clear how quickly the Russians will succeed in conquering Ukraine if they try mm-hmm. um they might um they have, but we don't know, and the reality is um the ukrainians are very worried, but they also are trying to you know trying to a resemblance of of normality because you know if if you put your country on a total war footing and there's no war you you know couldn't gain something just by by threatening
1: yeah well we'll move on we'll see what happens so i guess any it's quote-unquote imminent so we'll see if anything happens here in the next week let's move on to uh, taiwan the russia and uh, china apparently it forms a relationship uh putin went on to the olympics i guess he didn't stay right. so the,
2: china i mean taiwan you asked that question about why we should be helping ukraine it's because uh, taiwan is a parallel situation to some extent hmm. um and If the Russians get away with attacking Ukraine and the cost isn't too high, then the Chinese can make the same calculations vis-a-vis Taiwan and decide they're going to seize Taiwan. And so that's one of the reasons it's very much in our interests to uh, support the Ukrainians as much as possible, to make the the price for the Russians as high as possible, and to work it out in such a way that uh, they're hopefully deterred in the end. We don't know. Um, and because we don't want this, we don't want the Chinese getting the same idea vis-a-vis Taiwan.
1: Well, of course, we, we made a commitment uh, after think. after the uh, Korean War uh, to Taiwan, uh, a pretty major commitment. So, I mean, I think the circumstances are similar but different.
2: Right. Well, nothing is ever identical in foreign affairs. Yeah. But we learn from our lessons. We learn from relationships. And clearly, if the Russians get away with taking Ukraine, then she can come up with the conclusion he can easily get away with taking Taiwan. What's the world going to do in the end? Yeah. So we need to support democracies wherever we can. We can't send troops everywhere and so probably shouldn't, but that's a whole other question because we've you know, I've been saying for years we need to have a discussion of what the foreign policy goals are and what we're trying to achieve. Um but the reality is it's always been America's goal, if at all possible, to support democratic regimes.
1: Yeah. Well, also, of course, you talk about mission drift, talk about nation building. That's what that kind of leads to, which has been a major mistake for us over the last 50 years. Right, uh,
2: but neither um, – um, what about um, – well, excuse me, one second. Taiwan and and Ukraine are not – neither of them are requesting nation building. They don't need nation building. Uh-huh. You know, think about it that way. Taiwan is a very successful country, both economically, socially. Um, my my daughter visited it two years ago and fell in love with the place, huh. um, how everything operates well and it's beautiful and everything else. So we're not doing nation building in Taiwan. We're not doing nation building in Ukraine. We're just, you know, we're not even defending them. We're just providing them with defense assistance, and we should. Well, that may be, be our intent initially, but camp. you know,
1: what, <laughs> like, uh, well, I forgot the famous boxer boxer's name, but he says that you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the nose. The point point being is that uh, that may be our intent, but uh, sometimes things get all frail when uh, when we get involved. Anyhow, I have my concerns about it, and uh, let's let's uh, move on to what's going on in Canada. Uh, Kind of interesting development, I guess that we've freed up the the bridge between Windsor and uh, Detroit, so it looks like uh, traffic is flowing now. But what are your thoughts? Well,
2: okay. So first of all, that's that's important. The uh, the cost to the economy of the United States and of Canada of, of that bridge being closed just tells us once again how fragile all of our supply chain is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we we discovered that during COVID, and we're still discovering it in terms of the um uh, price increases and everything else and it just shows how fragile everything is once upon a time you know car manufacturers would have inventory of parts and if that, if one of their parts suppliers didn't arrive on time okay well we have three weeks supply and we'll keep on going and in three weeks we'll get the supply in yeah today with just in time manufacturing is a real problem and um that's 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 on that level the other level is look, I, I don't um let me put it this way, this we you and I probably disagree. Um I don't understand the level of anger at things like vaccine mandates. Um let's you know, there is there is this sense in my mind that uh, everyone believes in uh, personal liberty but without any personal responsibility. So I don't know. Um, It seems to me the truckers are taking... It's very very un-Canadian what's going
1: on. Well, the truckers are putting it on the line. I wouldn't say that they're not taking responsibility. I think they're taking great risks, in my opinion. the, The interesting thing, the mayor of, I guess it was, was it Ontario... Uh, in any event, threatened hundred thousand dollar fines and these types of things. Like apparently, offline did a settlement with them. Another place where the truckers could go to convince them to get off the bridge. That's a good thing. What baffles me, what I don't understand, is why Trudeau doesn't sit down and have a conversation with our representative of the truckers. That's how you resolve issues. Dialogue solves a lot of issues, and uh, he's not willing to have one.
2: I don't know. I don't have that answer. I, you know, I have to be very frank. I've sort of, not that I don't know what's going on in Canada, but I've sort of ignored Canadian politics yeah. all these years. Yeah. Um, I think we all do to some extent. It's right. like that Quiet neighbor up north, go ahead, do your thing.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I and, get that, but the, the other side to it is just good. Common sense suggests that if you have a, pro- a problem and it escalates, you have a conversation trying to de-escalate it. That's just uh, uh, human relations 101, never mind diplomacy.
2: Right, and I don't disagree, but we don't, you know, we don't know the backstory either. Yeah. So I, I I hate to say anything about something that I just don't feel comfortable talking about. We all should know more about Canada. That's what I can. That's what I can tell you.
1: Yeah, uh, we will on, on kind of a related issue. Uh, apparently, we're suffering from rampant drug shortages, uh, over uh, shortages of 116 different pharmaceutical drugs, and 97 percent of all the uh, the uh, uh, antibiotics. That the United States uses are produced in, uh, in, in China. I mean, we This is a drastic problem that we have.
2: Right, no question. Look, I think part of the legislation that passed, I, pa- I think it passed the Senate, not the House yet, which has to do with American competitiveness, etc. Clearly, some some decisions has to be made. Look, one of our biggest problems and the, the underlying problem in the American economy and people's unhappiness, and all those sort of things, except for you, who's always happy. But anyway, the underlying problem is we believe that a free market can solve all problems. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? Well, the free market says that drugs can be made cheapest in China. And so, therefore, if drugs can be made cheapest in China, then let us the Chinese make the drugs, and we won't make any of them in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all works in a perfect world with perfect competition and no geopolitical problems taking place. I think one of the things we've learned from COVID is while we don't want too much regulation, we do need um the federal government to get involved in key parts of the of the quote the economy or 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 more than that and say, okay, it may not be um it may not be economical to make these five drugs in the United States, but boy, these five drugs are essential to maintaining our health system. So you know what? We'll subsidize, we'll give a tax back, we'll we'll do whatever, you know, we'll figure out what the best way to do it, but we want to make sure that these things are manufactured in the United States. For strategic reasons
1: yeah no i agree with you hundred percent i will point out however that uh, there are such things as subsidies and tariffs and things that are going on in international trade which we failed to address the consequence, and also we've created our own problem by having regulations that are very punitive for for producers so the consequence is that we've kind of chased this production offline out, uh, out of the united states uh, because of how we've handled the situation
2: Right, but I'm sure price is also a key factor, and and my point is, we have to make certain strategic decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a good thing that uh, I guess it's uh, Intel announced a 15 billion plant dollar plant in Ohio for making semiconductors. That's important. Mm-hmm. It's important that uh, key manufacturing continues to take place in the United States. And um, you know, I, we we I, we discussed this before, but I'll bring it back again only because. Um, we look at uh, well the issue that we have too few in the areas of defense, for instance. We allow, we allowed all these firms to merge together, so we end up with too few manufacturers to compete to produce quickly. We look how long it took to get the F-35 made. I mean, it's tw- almost 20 years, and it still has its problems. And then we look at you know the difference between SpaceX and uh, NASA slash Boeing in the competing. Uh, project and SpaceX is years ahead of them mm-hmm. and you know, under the price and everything else because it was private enterprise, which is very important, but a smaller private enterprise was willing to move quickly, yeah, and you know one of the problems that we've had is by by saying that big doesn't matter, we end up with colossal organizations that, as we know, any large organization moves very slowly.
1: Yeah, well, and of course we've got the issue of K Street. So much uh, legislation and in our interests are driven by money coming in from uh, special interests. So,
2: No, absolutely. Look, the, you know, here we may disagree and maybe not, but one of the worst uh, Supreme Court decisions, in my opinion, was where they said money is speech. Mm-hmm. And so there's no way to regulate the, the giving of money, and I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, I don't think money is speech. And if it is speech, it's a speech of a uh, of a small subset of the population, it's not the same thing as saying we have free speech and you can say something, I can say something, and the the uh, 20-year-old high school uh, college student down the block can say something, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I,
1: so, up for another... Typical look, subject. I, I, another subject, but I do want to get your thoughts on COVID uh, globally before we move uh, move away.
2: So, glo- look, glo- globally, numbers are going down almost everywhere. It's, um, the only problem is people are too tired of COVID, I and mean, we're all tired of COVID, and it sort of announced the end way too quickly. So Denmark, for instance, announced the end of everything, COVID is over, et cetera. Their numbers, if you look at a, you look at a chart of their cases, it went straight up, not even a straight, straight up, because it's psychological. I mean, this is, this is where it really gets problematic. When we say COVID is over, then people no longer take any any um, precautions themselves, and that's a mistake, because COVID is not over. COVID is way down. It means we can relieve certain restrictions. We can do things a little... Uh, we can take certain risks. But we can't ignore the fact that it's still there and take no precautions whatsoever. Mm. And so it's a psychological thing. We, we we It's a mistake to say it's all over, until it really is. Maybe it will be at some point. Um, because people are human, and we all want COVID to be over. And we all want to go back to our absolute normal. No imposition by COVID, but COVID's still here.
1: Yeah, I, I depart with you a little bit here because I think uh, I think we'll find that we'll find, uh, people that will be wearing masks 18 months after this whole thing is considered quote unquote over. So I don't think people are willing to just absolutely turn on a dime as a public proclamation that COVID is over. Uh, on the other hand, I think we're all capable of making good decisions with regard to our own personal health, and that will continue <laughs> irrespective. Of uh i see
2: i i disagree only in the sense that yes, people can make their own decisions and they're told it's over, the natural tendency is that's ah, over, let me go and you know, and that doesn't mean everybody obviously mm. obviously some people stay unnaturally uh cautious, yeah, and take certain precautions, but a lot of people just ah it's over, okay, I can you know go to that party with a hundred people not wear a mask and not worry at all and then go see my grandmother afterwards
1: uh, you know it's such I really appreciate our conversations every week mark because it's pretty clear that we have <laughs> A <laughs> different set of uh, pre- predicates uh, in, our, in uh, the way we think about things. But irrespective, I hope our listeners, I'm sure they benefit from uh, having our conversation. So I just genuinely appreciate uh, your contribution here to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Have a great week, Bob, and all your listeners. You
1: as well. Thank you so much. And again, the website is historycentral.com, www.historycentral.com. Okay, coming up, Larry Reed. He is the president... of Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Larry, tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education.
3: Okay. We're an educational foundation, privately funded, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and our focus is on educating and inspiring young people in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, and personal character. And your listeners can learn a great deal more about us by visiting our website, which is fee, feeorg Every day of the week it uh, is refreshed with new content, and we also have courses in economics and history, and also um, videos uh, that the public and download for
1: free yeah a great resource especially for young for all of us quite frankly but uh, if uh, you have somebody in your life grandchild a child high school or college age please introduce them to this terrific organization the website again is fee, F-E-E dot org. so larry you addressed an issue which i'm really pleased to read about if you really care about america's future We should pay more attention to higher education. I couldn't agree more. Maybe you could tell us about it.
3: Okay. You know, a lot of parents these days, more and more every day, are concerned about the education that their children are getting in K-12. But if we think that the problem is confined to the K-12 classroom, we're going to miss a big part of the picture because uh, we're, we're going to uh, ignore what the teachers are being taught themselves hmm. in higher education. And as report after report uh, indicates, higher education these days is just full of politically correct left-wing fads. Uh, teachers who are uh, being prepared at the schools of higher education are not... Required to focus on the subject areas in which uh, they will later teach, and uh, the result is poorly prepared teachers, often with a very uh, left-wing bias, going into the K-12 classroom after having been indoctrinated uh, at at the college level.
1: You know, I hadn't even, I've never considered that point. I've always considered uh, the fact that teachers and professors have are left-leaning, and uh, but what you're pointing out is. Uh, that uh, the teachers' colleges actually help create that. And, of course, the, the college experience and graduate school as well create that. So people are prepared with their propaganda to go in and perpetuate more propaganda.
3: That's right. And the really sad thing about it is that, uh, aside from the fact that the teachers or the taxpayers are paying for this, but uh, the really sad fact is that uh, many teachers go into the K-12 classroom without uh, realizing the extent to which they have heard only one side and have been indoctrinated uh, in these schools of higher education. Uh, They go into K-12 thinking that they got a good education and they're prepared to present all sides, and so often they don't even know any side but one.
1: Yeah, so tragic indeed, and and, uh, also don't know how to think, don't know how to have a debate about issues that it's uh, very sad indeed that uh, people are indoctrinated as opposed to even some sort of classical education to learn how to debate an issue.
3: Yeah, that's right. And also to write about it. Mm-hmm. It used to be that uh, if you were going to be a teacher, then part of your preparation in higher education was to uh, take a course over a semester or two in freshman composition and uh, that course uh, stressed the importance of grammar and syntax and uh, lessons in informal logic, rules of evidence, things like that that uh, were important ultimately for a teacher to have. But that has almost been completely done away with and replaced with all uh, well, silly stuff like gender studies and things that don't relate often to the subject the teachers will <clears throat> ultimately be teaching in the classroom.
1: That's so sad indeed, and it, it reminds me that uh, Jill Biden and uh, Michelle Obama both had uh, wrote master's thesis, and some of the sentences I've actually, actually read through them, they're gobbledygook, they make absolutely <laughs> no sense whatsoever. And to think that somehow someway, somebody walked away with a master's degree writing this nonsense is just unbelievable.
3: Well, given that they're still talking and writing in gobbledygook, maybe that was good preparation for them. But it's not, it's not good for the society at large. Yeah, you
1: know, it's such an important issue. And, of course, uh, these teacher's colleges continue to perpetuate the problem, as do the universities. And what's the solution, Larry?
3: Well, first of all, you can't solve a problem if the public isn't aware of it. Good point. Uh, the, the very public that is, uh, through their tax dollars, funding it. Uh, so the beginning of uh, of wisdom is to recognize not only what you don't know, but uh, start to get to know some of it. And so uh, the purpose of this column that I wrote was to sort of raise the flag and say, hey, folks, over here, uh, here's a problem that we uh, aren't uh, spending much attention on. And uh, w- once we start doing that, once we recognize that there is a problem at higher ed, then I would hope that parents would start to uh, be more selective in where they send their children uh, uh, to uh, college and uh, that the students once there will be more careful to select subjects to the extent they can that will focus on the the, the meat of what they will ultimately teach and not the uh, trendy, uh, fatty, uh, you know, uh, fattest uh, politicized material.
1: Yeah, my sons have grown, but back in the day, it was just very important to me that they they uh, get college educations. I think if I had to the to, uh, today, I think I'd think twice about that. I think I'd uh, just really question what's the best path for them and include maybe college as a consideration. But uh, right now and what's going on, I'm not so sure that's the case.
3: Yeah, I'm of the same view. I, I, mean, I re- interact with young people all the time. Uh, But it's been some years since I recommended that they go to college. And if I uh, talk about that to students at all today, I tell them, be awfully careful, be very selective, uh, because there are a lot of places that are just a complete waste of time and money.
1: Yeah, uh, some of them are very well-recorded schools, too, sadly. So, again, uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I I can't stretch enough Uh, the importance of introducing uh, high high school and college age kids to uh, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She knows a lot. She reads a lot of the uh, news that's going on, but also social media. She learns a lot that I never see, and so I look forward to her her sharing that with us. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement? For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, Cafe M25, car wash and detailing center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They have some terrific programs, including policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And I hope you'll visit the website and find out more. It's called thefga.org, www.thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden, extremely knowledgeable. She wrote... Uh, Greetings from paradise, and uh, now certainly covers social media as well as the news. Linda, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Happy Valentine's Day. Happy
1: Valentine's (laughs) Day, Linda. I hope you had a good Valentine's Day.
4: Well, it's just the beginning.
1: It's just starting, indeed. So, uh, did you watch the Super Bowl last night?
4: Well, we did, and um, let me just make two comments about that. One, the halftime show was awful. Yeah. The game was good. Mm Mm-hmm. The hypocrisy in the stands and in all the uh, high-end boxes was screaming because nobody anywhere was wearing a mask. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think Gil Garcetti is is should be lauded for his ability. To to hold his breath for an entire football game <laughs> yeah. without a mask.
1: Yeah. I I, I think uh, this whole masking nonsense is just incredible. Some jurisdictions are saying, well, we're going to drop masks. For example, in New York the same, but the uh, kids still have to wear them to school.
4: Well, I mean, the kids kids are are so not prone to get any sort of illness whatsoever. Yeah. And yet all these adults who who are more likely to get it are going around without Without mass, it's just yeah.
1: stupid. It is uh, hip- hypocrisy at the and the worst uh, level, unbelievable. So, I you know this Durham report is very promising in many ways because we've known there's been injustices. Uh, Why
4: I mean, you mean because the media has been pushing it for the, like the last six years? I know,
1: it's just unbelievable, but it looks like Durham has really cut to the chase and cut to the, well, not quickly. He hasn't done it quickly. It's taken a long time, but it looks like finally justice is going to be served.
4: Well, we don't know that justice is going to be served, by the way, because guess who's been complicit in all of this? Not only the media, but the FBI, the DOG, all these people have just uh, ushered all this nonsense through and like Maria Bartiromo said yesterday, and she was angry, mm. she says, I hope Trump sues everybody for everything. Well, and that would include people like Adam Schiff. I mean, she's had Devin Nunes and and um, the former di- director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, on her show over the last few years saying that none of this is true. Mm. And Adam Schiff and all these people have called everyone. They've, he's demonized Trump on down for, for um being associated with Russia and that Russia stole the 2016 election, and now we know that's not true and that Hillary Clinton's campaign paid for pushing this narrative through.
1: Yeah, well... Uh my understanding is that uh, Hillary Clinton could actually be called uh, in front of the grand jury. And if that happens, that could be very, very uh, explosive and very interesting. She's now—it uh, looks like she's she behaving, posturing, and preening like she'd like to be a candidate for president on the Democrat ticket in 2024.
4: Let's see. You know what? I'm A couple things I'm looking forward to, to see what happens this week. One— is to see if Russia really invades Ukraine on Wednesday. To, have you ever heard anything so stupid? Let's tell the whole wide world <laughs> that we're going to invade Ukraine on Wednesday. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ukraine, uh, according to to the news reports this morning, the Ukrainian people are out doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. And um, UK- the Ukrainian president, uh, what's his name? Um, Zelensky. Zelensky has invited Biden over to D- Ukraine, yeah. to to check things out, to see if it's going to be invaded. Yeah. My first, it, get,
1: my first guest uh, thought that, that, in fact, that there was... That he he postulates there will be some sort of a war or escalation of uh, military activity on the border. That's his opinion. I frankly think this is a lot of saber-rattling on the part of... Uh,
4: Let's call it wag the dog, shall we? Uh, yeah. To try and distract from the Durham report, the... Uh, 40-year high inflation rate and all the other stuff that's going on. There's a a lot of things that's weird right now. Not only are, as uh, Biden trying to gin up a war over there, the inflation's awful, but have you seen Janet Yellen anywhere lately? No. Nobody's seen Janet Yellen. I wonder what's going on. They're supposed to have an emergency meeting of the Fed today, too, um, about jacking up interest rates. I mean, all of this is just so, so suspicious. And... Um, another thing on Wednesday that's supposed to happen is Hillary Clinton's supposed to make this major speak speech in front of the, I don't know if it's uh, Democratic National Committee or whatever, mm. but there is so much, I can't wait to, for Tucker tonight. I cannot wait. I can't <laughs> wait to watch Steve Bannon today. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be loaded for bear yeah. because so much news happened over the weekend. And like I mentioned to you off air, I think it's so amusing that nobody has seen Adam Schiff, Hillary Clinton, none of these people who are pushing this Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, they've just all been hiding under the bed. I don't know, but nobody's taken a statement from anybody. Out
1: of curiosity, we've seen a pivot on the part of the Democrats, many governors in in blue states who are dropping mask mandates and vaccine passports and all this stuff, basically with an eye towards the 2022 midterm elections. Uh, I think it's too little, too late, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts going into twenty two twenty two? How's this all going to play out?
4: I'm not even I'm not even concerned about the twenty twenty two elections. I'm concerned about what's going to happen in the next sixty days, quite mm-hmm. frankly, because all of this all of this stuff is uh, coming to a head. And you mentioned a grand jury. Oh, by the way, don't you think Durham has already having a grand jury in place? And, and oh yeah, and this. Uh, well, Who's that FBI agent who resigned in disgrace? Uh, that that was kind Not of a Comey, creepy guy. Not it's uh,
1: Yeah, the creepy guy, the guy with a funny look on his face. Yeah, I forget his name though.
4: But he they he's testified in front of this grand jury, so it it just hmm, he it, has yeah, really. and apparently he's uh, been quote unquote cooperating. So we don't know. I mean, that's just his name was Peter something, wasn't it? Peter Struck. Struck. Good good memory. Yeah. Um, so he was he has testified they've. Durham has all these witnesses that that um, the media isn't because the media doesn't he's not telling the media. there have been no leaks by the way.
1: wasn't well, that terrific? I mean uh, Durham, to his everlasting credit, we were always wondering what is going on with Durham? Has he just quit on the job? Would he give up and go home? No, not indeed. He has just been so secretive i I just really applaud his efforts
4: well, and so i'm I'm okay with that. like I've told you before, you know we the media doesn't know anything and, and there have been no leaks and whatever but i don't I don't want to know until the time is right because if we know
1: everybody knows the,
4: the the deep state knows everybody knows, and we don't want that to happen I mean they're they're out there speculating the the, the one thing that was so pathetic but it was really funny was Maggie Haber, Haberman of the New York Times did a column last week about how trump Trump took all these documents from the from the archives and ripped them up in Flush them down the toilet, which is like really. Yeah. I mean, how can can't you do better? If you're going to make stuff up, can't you do better than yeah. that? Uh, it, it's just bizarre. Robert, it's it's after all this time, Donald Trump lives rent free in the minds of all the left wing media, everybody on the Democratic Party and, and Capitol Hill. And every day, almost, we find more exposure about who's who are the good guys and who aren't. Yeah. I mean, and and just that, that, this
1: January sixth commission is all about trying to make sure that Trump can't run for president. It's not going to work.
4: I know. I mean, he, but I, I, like I said, I'm not worried about the 2022 elections. They're saying, "Oh, we're going to steamroll." I'm still waiting to see who the good guys and who the bad guys are on both sides of the fence. That that document that I sent you yesterday, that devolution part twelve, mm-hmm. the the Republicans that are part of this. Of Deep course. State. Well, it's it, just amazing. To we me. had
1: dinner with some uh, some friends, and uh, one of our our hosts proclaimed that uh, we need to have more moderates, uh, Democrats, and Republicans work together. I think, on the contrary, I think it's not a matter of left and right. It's it's a matter of good and evil right now. It is those that are living by the lie, and those that are living on the truth and uh, the Constitution. We need to have a coalition of those people that are uh, truly working to. Advance the interests of the United States.
4: So I I I can't wait for each news day to appear because drip drip drip. I mean, look what what Tucker Carlson exposed last week—that Kamala Harris was at the Demo- Democratic National Committee office on January 6th. Why wasn't she in the Capitol? Yeah, isn't and, that odd?
1: Yeah, and why why wasn't it reported? It was such an interesting story. By the way, if for our listeners' benefit, you haven't watched uh, Fox Nation. It's a great find, and Tucker Carlson today is a show he produces three times a week. great guests unbelievable. He had Robert Malone on last week. It was so fascinating but uh, do pay attention to what's going on there because there's a lot of great information you don't find in other uh, parts of the media and
4: and oh by the way if if you even fox is is tainted because they're part of this um uh, uh, election cover up and and just Circling back to to Maria Bartiromo for just a moment, I applaud her because on yesterday's show, she said, "Not only did they try to steal the 2016 election, they they, they fooled around with the 2020 election." I bet the people at Fox were just going, "Holy <laughs> crap!" She brought it up. Yeah, she and, did. And she, but she was so she was so mad, and I applaud her. I hope she digs into all of this.
1: I think she will. Linda, always appreciate your commentary on the show. wish we had more time. Thanks for joining. Happy Valentine. Be my Valentine. I am here. Okay, thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator. Uh, Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will uh, be with us as well. And Linda, she's going to come back tomorrow as well. We'll complete that conversation. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Hartman Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.